We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. Now, if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15 percent. I hope that it can occur in a, a civil way, and I, 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 I mean civil in a special way, I, peaceful. The biggest question, in, maybe in economics and politics of the coming decade, will be what to do with all these useless people. I just see the need for such a dialogue, and I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We are three years at 10 months and five days into 14 days to flatten the curve. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams. Bruce, how are you? Oh, well, healthy and alive. Um, doing well. Staying warm. Got some snow on the ground. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. We had nothing but black ice here today. Uh, it was one of those days. It was just, it was, it was God awful. You know, it was really just freezing cold rain and it would freeze on contact. And yeah, it was, it was not good. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's never any fun. It's been, I mean, it's been cold here too, but probably nothing like out there. I mean, it's been like 10 degrees Fahrenheit. It's supposed to get to four degrees tonight. Oh, so it's going to warm up a little bit then. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, I'm sure it's a lot colder there. Uh, it's, well, no, actually it's, it's warmer. Uh, it is right around 30 to 32, you know, just freezing or right above. That's, I mean, currently that's about what the temperature is, but at night we're seeing single digits. feels like negative. Yeah, it's a little chilly. I was actually, you're going to love this. Uh, so we've got a bit of a, um, a school system problem in the United States. You know, a lot of places, uh, you know, very, uh, very low income areas that they haven't really passed any of the school levies for quite some time. And uh, one of the school districts I heard about this morning, the kids have not been to school except for three days since the Christmas break. Jeez. Yes. That's, and the, the reason wow. being, yeah, the reason being is they've had a couple of snow days, but the rest of the time they can't have classes because the heating at the school is busted. So they can't get it fixed because the system is too old and there's no money to put in to put a new system in. Where, where's the money going? I mean, shouldn't, good question. Shouldn't, shouldn't there be that should be one of the things that we're interested in. You know, education should be kind of important. But it should be, but it isn't. But this is also like this is a even if like, let's just say let's just take that out of it. Right. Even if this was not that big of a um, uh, of an issue. Right. So if we just say that that was, you know, a side thing. OK, fine. Let's say you had perfectly running heating systems and everything in the school mm -hmm. system, which I'm I'm assuming that the heating in the school system that I'm talking about is the same one from our parents generation when they were in there. Yeah. Sounds I'm assuming right. I'm assuming that's what it is because I'm very familiar because I went to that school system and I don't think they updated it from the time I was there. So I'm assuming it wasn't updated from the time that my parents were there. But anyway, you've got a bigger problem and it it is um, I, I was I'm not going to get into it. But you were telling I was telling you about it offline once uh, from one of the uh, the school administrators that I was talking to. 
And it's nothing but like a, uh, it's just a daycare center, more or less. That's that's what it's turned into. You've got teachers that are now overloaded with so many students in the class. There are no more special needs areas because everybody's special needs now. And you don't have enough in the class. You don't have enough resources. You don't have enough teachers in the class to be able to deal with all of the problems that the kids have because they're so screwed up and the parents are screwed up and you can't get any help from that because they're just dropping them off for the day. And it's... Yeah, it's it's like you got kids that are just trying to hold it together, more or less. Yeah. And the ones that yeah. that try to excel are being held back by the others that are not trying to excel, that are just bouncing off the walls. That honestly, that was kind of a problem back when I was in school too. Like the at least the part where uh, there was too many students per teacher. It, in fact, one of the schools I went to, we we had two class, two grades in one one classroom, like they used to do back in the day. Um, and there was like 40 students in one class and we had, uh, sixth and seventh was in one classroom and eighth and ninth was in their own classroom. And, um, the, the students that tried to excel, they get stuck into, you know how they had, like, you had the advanced classes for the people that are, that are, yes, we called them, we called them talented and gifted, talented and gifted. Yeah. Yeah. You Uh, wouldn't dare do that today. No, we just called them nerds in in, in my school, but (laughs) yeah, that too. Yeah. Yeah, they um they don't get their own classes anymore. Like it's not separated. When I was in school, I moved around a few times to different schools, and uh, the they test you. You know, you do the tests early uh, to see where you are placed. If you get any advanced classes or need any special whatever, the tests were so inadequate. They just stuck you into the basic class. They didn't. They didn't care about how good you were at the at your studies or any of that. I should have been put into advanced classes there, which probably yeah. would have helped my schooling. Because if you challenge me, I usually work harder. Um, instead, I got fed up with going over the same things over and I over. Didn't care? Like I, I that was my problem. I just didn't care. I'm like, why are you teaching yep. me this? Like, why are you trying yep. to teach me this? Because it, it's just like none of this matters. I looked at the material that I was being presented with in school. All the other kids were just like going along with it. And I'm like, tell me how this is relevant. None of the teachers yeah. could ever tell me that. None of them could. Yeah. They could never tell me why something was relevant. I do remember a couple of things that I learned that were actually relevant. But somebody asked me just a few days ago, actually, they asked me, they said, who was your best teacher? And you know what? I thought about it from like every single teacher I had all the way up into like college. I thought about every single teacher and professor that I had. Do you know how many I can name? Uh, you can probably count them on one hand. One. It was my fourth grade teacher and it was, it was a guy and he was to this day, he was the best teacher I ever had because I, I feel like that when I left his class for the entire fourth grade, I feel like when I left his class, even though some days it was just, you know, it, it kind of sucked because he was one of those teachers that would give us homework every night. And he told us that in the beginning, he says, you're going to get homework every night in the fourth grade. That's not what you want to hear. Right. But no, it's not. But he was the first one that did that. And you know what? As much as I hated that, I felt like at the end of the year in the fourth grade, mind you, nine, 10 years old, I felt like I actually learned something from that man. And to this day, I feel like that was the best teacher that I ever had because I actually felt like I learned something from him. My fourth grade teacher was actually the worst one uh, for me uh, that I had. Yeah, she she had taken um, a couple of the students uh, because you know how fourth graders are. You're talkative and those kind of things, you know, playful. She took some of us and yelled at us 
outside the classroom and she like grabbed us by the 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 collar of our shirt and was lifting us up and um, couldn't do that now no you can't do that now anyway she she ended up getting uh fired quote unquote retired but she was fired early retirement uh, early retirement but a couple uh i can name i could probably name 3 one of them was my history teacher one of them was my math teacher and another one um, was my third grade teacher. Fantastic. They all saw through the BS that I had in school. I, I kind of had a chip uh, chip on my shoulder in, in school and uh, they seen through the BS and knew I was a really good student and a good person and all of that. And they tried to pull that out of me. All of my teachers hated, not all of them, I, except the ones that I remember, most of them disliked me, mainly because I did absolutely no schoolwork and then aced all the quizzes and tests and they hated that you must have been a cheater that's <laughs> yeah, that's what they thought and i had to take the test over and over and when 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 i uh moved schools all the time like that they just i i kept having to do the material over and over again like the same material i did the year before because they weren't putting me into more advanced classes so yeah i, I hated schooling um and finally when i got into homeschooling uh my ninth grade year that was amazing i i loved homeschooling challenging i got straight a's after that and did all of my schoolwork and all of that but anyway um all that to say the schooling nowadays the scoring and everything just like even in the the locally here where i live now there's there's a town that always rate uh like top 10 in the state even their scores are plummeting they're still in the upper you know upper echelon yeah. of of the yeah. but their overall scores are, are plummeting. It's just there there is no real education anymore. And then with all the the DEI and the all that nonsense infiltrating schools as well, they're they're just learning about race, climate change, those kind of things. And it's not it's not helping them in the long run. Well, um, perhaps this new initiative here will help in educating the young ones to see the way of things. Now, take a listen to this. I know how much you love government spending, uh, and we'll talk about more of that later. But this one, specifically since we're talking about education, the Department of Health and Human Services is awarding $700,000 in taxpayer monies to back pregnancy prevention programs for young girls who identify as boys warning that heteronormative sexual education is inadequate. So the six the $700,000 grant which began in September 23 or 2023 will continue until June 2027 according to the FOIA request for it and it will be allocated to the Center for Initiative Public Health Research a nonprofit there you go another tax exempt foundation uh, that seeks to create an inclusive teen pregnancy pregnancy program for transgender boys youth who are assigned female at birth this is a quote youth who are assigned female at birth are at risk for negative sexual health outcomes yet are effectively excluded from sexual health programs because gender diverse youth do not experience the cisgender heteronormative teen sexual education messaging available to them as salient or applicable. Data suggests that the assigned female at birth trans identified youth, <laughs> yeah, say that three times fast, may be less likely to use protection when engaging in sexual intercourse with people who have dangling participles. I'll just, <laughs> and are at least, it's, it's tough to talk around this stuff and are at least as likely as cisgender girls to become pregnant. Uh, so health inequity must be addressed. I find this um, contradictory. It's a bit, and, and here's why. They're, they're trans men. Are not trans men supposed to be your, or trans, trans male, whatever, whatever you want to call them because they're still I kids. I have lost whatever, like, I, I don't even follow this. It's like, this is so insane. I, I don't even follow this. Yeah. 
it, I mean, it, it is insanity, but if they're saying they're trans men, that means they can't get pregnant. So why, why are you concerning yourselves with educating them on uh, sex ed? That's fair they can't point. get pregnant because they're, they're men. So what, what, what's the problem? I already have a beef with the whole sex ed system in general. That should be something that the, the family does, um, not uh, the school, because uh, then the family, you can instill uh, morals as well. Uh, whereas the school just says, um, yeah, have sex, but use protection. That's that's their stance. Um, and that that's not that's not that's not adequate. That's not good. Um, there, there should be a greater, greater understanding of of that, that it's it's not just, hey, let's let's do it to have some fun. Right. Because that's that's kind of how it is. Feels good. Do it in the streets as, as it do were. Do it in the road. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, instead, there needs to there, there, there needs to be an understanding that that is something you share with your long term partner. Like it's 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 more meaningful than I mean, it, there needs to be more meaning behind it. And there used to be that used to be an important thing. But obviously, that's been lost. And they're being conditioned. Uh, kids are being conditioned. The The whole sex ed program when I was in school was just a, a time for all the guys to laugh and, and have fun. I mean, it, it wasn't, it, you know, immaturity and all of that. It, it no, was no education stuff. By the time they did that, the education, we already knew everything there was to know about whatever they were teaching in sex ed anyway. So it was a big deal when that came up in the school that I went to. That was a big deal, as in they had to send permission slips home to the parents yeah. to get their okay before the students could take part. And if you couldn't get your parents to sign off on it, you couldn't take part in the class. Yeah. So that was kind of a the school that I went to. They did that as well. Uh, but if you didn't go, you had to do extra homework. <laughs> so I just talked to my parents. I was like, yeah, this is a free get out of school card. So just just to prove it. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, uh, that that kind of nonsense that that is nothing but indoctrination. And uh, if you've got kids in public schools, remove them. That's all I can say. The thing is, uh, just in my experience, this okay. Keep in mind, I'm in my 30s. Okay, so when I went to school, it's been a few years. First grade was the grade I was first exposed to pornography. First grade. That was like 20 years ago. Um, it, nowadays. It's way more accessible thanks to the internet. All the smartphones, yeah. I mean, every yeah. kid's got a smartphone in their hand and and yeah. But I mean, you, you've got that excuse that will be used now to clamor for internet IDs. And I've talked to people about that, the internet ID thing. And that's their stance is like, well, how do you keep kids from getting access to pornography? Don't Back in the day, smartphone. it used to be like, well, that, that's one way, but... Back in the day, they used to use like you had to have a credit card or something like that yeah, instead yeah. of doing an well, actual you had, ID. You did have, yeah, you did have. I, I I do recall because in the beginning of you know the wild west days of the internet, um, when that stuff started to to show up there, everything was like gated because the like the school systems didn't have the protections. And there'd always be that one kid or two in there, you know, pulling something up in the mm -hmm. corner, laughing or whatever, and all the guys would run around and see it. But yep. you had a lot of things that were gated. Uh, a lot mm -hmm. of the sites were, were gated. You needed subscriptions to the sites uh, and or they used I can't even remember. It's been so long ago, uh, but they used kind of like uh, it was a, it was a central place where you could go and you could sign up for a service and they would give you an ID if the site was a partner program to that. And you like kind of like an age gate thing, but you had to like mm -hmm. verify everything through that that intermediary to be able to do that. So that was one way that that companies and um, school systems were able to curtail a lot of that stuff. So I'm I'm caught in a like a I want to do I want something like that to be done right. 
The problem is we've been brought to this this point. We've been brought to this situation to where it's a problem. Now they're, they've created the problem. Now they're handing us a solution because they want those internet IDs. They want us to be tracked online. They don't want you to have the anonymity online. I mean, if you if you look at it over the years, I've probably had a dozen different IDs over the years. Uh, and by that, I mean aliases I've used. That's just because I've been online that long and, and play video games and whatnot, and different groups know me by different names. That will go away once they get the internet ID. You won't have different names. They'll know you as your real name. I don't like that. That, that was something... In the early days, you were taught never tell them your your real name, your address, your phone number, any of those kind of things. You don't you don't talk about those things, not even your age. And nowadays, it's like people are exchanging exchanging their names, their age, their phone numbers, all that with complete strangers. It, it, it's it, I'm I'm baffled by all this personally. As am I. But uh, another another point you you raised, or another thing to tack onto the point you raised there. Where do they stop with it? You know, if you give them, you I mean, you said it last week. You give them an inch, they're going to take a mile every single time. Yep. If if you start doing the internet ID, they're going to track everything about you. And when when do they stop? All right. Well, look at the misinformation things that's going on right now with uh, COVID or with Davos or. Um, uh, January 6th, any of those kind of things. If you say anything online, once the ID system comes in place, that'll all be tracked. I, I don't know how deep they're going to go with it. If you do the internet ID thing, is it going to be every single device or every single app that uses the internet uh, requires that internet ID? That That's kind of where I think it'll end up going uh, once we implement it, but it'll track everything. Your, your apps that you use for communication, tracked. It's a scary thought. It is. Would you like for me to play the clip from Von DeLayen from the Davos meeting for you? I played it yesterday, but I'll play it for you since you're here today. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's hear it. For the global business community, the top concern for the next two years is not conflict or climate. It is disinformation and misinformation, followed closely by polarization within our societies. These risks are serious because they limit our ability to tackle the big global challenges we are facing. Changes in our climate and our geopolitical climate. Shifts in our demography and in our technology. Spiraling regional conflicts and intensified geopolitical competition and their impacts on supply chains. The sobering reality is that we are once again competing more intensely across countries than we have in several decades. And this makes the theme of this year's Davos meeting even more relevant, rebuilding trust. This is not a time for conflicts or polarization. This is a time to build trust. This is a time to drive global collaboration more than ever before. This requires immediate and structural responses to match the size of the global challenges. I believe it can be done. It can be done, Bruce. We can do it if we just we have the will to collaborate on a global scale. What, what, what do they deem? Misinformation, disinformation. Anything that they say that 
they don't like uh, or anything that you say that they don't like is misinformation. Yeah. Dis- just take whatever happened during COVID. Yeah, exactly. So you don't have freedom of speech to say what you want. Huh. Interesting. I thought that was kind of a staple of the Western world is that you can pretty much say whatever you want. It's kind of the general consensus that we all have here in the West is um, you're free to think and believe what you want as long as you don't harm anybody. That's basically do what you want. Um, that 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 is um, that's like fascistic. Um, it's great. It's a like it's a, it's a borderline. Honestly, I, I I look at it as like a blend of just both fascism. It's totalitarianism through and through. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't matter exactly what color it. shirt it's wearing. It doesn't matter if it's a you know a, a red star or a, or a swastika. You know, you're still getting your you're still getting your face stomped on. Yeah, yeah. It it, it doesn't matter at that point. And that's kind of what we've said about Davos anyway. The WEF is they're a mix of both. It's not one or the other. They're, they're utilizing the strong points from uh, both of the systems to enact control or trying to. I, I just I find that appalling to that's one of the things that we enjoy on the online world is you can pretty much say whatever you want. And then the whole thing about anonymity, that's useful, too, because uh give you an example um whistleblowers that's a, that's a good example you can go online post what's happening in let's say this company using an uh, anonymous name or you know and you can tell the truth of what's going on and lead people where to investigate as an example um it, and potentially avoid retaliation uh in this case uh w- with the ids and the <laughs> basically thought police you're not going to be allowed to do that anymore i hmm. uh, I, I I really hope people wake up pretty quick and, and realize what's going on. Well, only time will tell, my friend. The only thing we can do is continue what we're doing and hope for the best uh, at this point. Yep. So what else is going on at the World Economic Forum? They're working on something called Disease X. You heard about Disease X? They say, with fresh warnings from the World Health Organization, that an unknown disease X could result in 20 times more fatalities than the coronavirus pandemic. What novel efforts are needed to prepare the healthcare systems for the multiple challenges ahead? Let me guess, Bill Gates is going to be somewhere in the mix of all this, and all of the pharma companies that had a hand in the vaccine manufacturing game are going to be mixed up in all of that too. Uh, and of course, you're going to need all the people that you had in the uh, the health departments and the governments and the cabinets and the ministers and everybody else that was involved in that, that heinous crime from stomping on people's rights that you're going to have to have all hands on deck for this next one. Disease X. So let me see, 20 times more fatalities. The jabs actually killed more people than the virus did. I'll propose an idea. Let's say okay. um, there is another another disease X uh-huh. that comes out, Which right? We're rolling another... into that after this is over. So yeah, go, after this mm-hmm. segment's over. So go ahead. Let's say it's uh, just the flu. Because of their misinformation, disinformation campaign, uh, you're not allowed to talk about the truth of what the uh, disease actually is. Let's say, for example, like I said, it's the flu. It's, you know, a 0.1% fatality rate, okay? They say, oh no, it's 20 times worse. So it's a 2% fatality rate, okay? You speak up against it and point to data and everything and say, hey, uh, no, this is is actually just a normal flu. You're going to get shut down because of their misinformation, disinformation campaign. And the only narrative that'll be there is what the government says. So... Everything they'll do, all the actions they'll take, all the, you know, uh, mandated vaccines or the closing down of businesses and all of that will all be on a lie. Yet again, 
and you won't be allowed to do anything about it. You will not. At that point, if if they get the way what they want uh, with misinformation, disinformation, you won't be allowed to even speak up. Kind of sounds a bit authoritarian, don't it? Dystopian kind of, you know, stuff we're seeing in like sci-fi and yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a problem to run. Yeah. They needed to run the scenario through COVID to find out where the leaks were, if you will. Um, Think of it like sending, uh, you know what plumber smoke is, Bruce, where they send like the smoke down the line and they they look for the leaks, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Same thing. Mm -hmm. Same thing. So they didn't plug up the the people like us last time. I think we were one of those leaks. You know, we, we were one of those those um, small um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not unknowns. What's um, variables? That's what I'm looking for. Uh, we were one of those unknown variables that they just didn't quite pick up on. They didn't go after podcasters like I expected them to. Uh, I think they're not going to make that same mistake twice. And I, I honestly think that's where the Internet IDs and the disinformation, misinformation campaign, th- those things, if they get the Internet ID in place and then... Um, have a, a misinformation um, bureau or you know investigation or whatever. It was some kind of branch. They'll start tracking people and their communications, and then they'll have a real world ID tied to that, and they'll be able to silence you individually, whether it be they fine you, arrest you, or just cancel you uh, in terms of silencing your voice. Or even getting you fired from your job, you know the the kind of blockade tactics that we use on countries to starve them out. They'll do the same thing to us on an individual level at, at that point. In the midst of preparing for disease X, I I could see that as a probability, and let me explain why. The Chinese Communist Party and their scientists, because you have to be a CCP member to like, to be involved in the like the medical community, do you not? I would assume so. You have to be a you know, party member or toe the party line because that's what you do in these types of things. Do you remember Fauci? Do I have the clip here? It's in, it's actually in our intro. Yeah, here's Fauci. We had a collaboration with some Chinese com, uh, Chinese uh, scientists. He is clear, is he not? We had a collaboration with some Chinese co- scientists. Yeah. Um, now, there's no way that you would have Chinese communists in these laboratories in China, is there? There's no way no, that they could. No, 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 of course not. No, they wouldn't. Which, put people. by the way, he's now saying that um, COVID actually came from a lab. It is he's, plausible. He's saying. No, he says it's plausible. It's plausible. Okay, well, yeah. he's he's at least um, changing his tune now, uh, whereas he was saying it that that's not possible at all. It came from evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, zoological, animal reservoir. You remember what he said? Yeah, yeah. yeah animal reservoir, yeah. yeah. Uh, Chinese scientists create a mutant coronavirus strain that attacks the brain and has a 100% kill rate in mice, as they admit that there's a risk that it could spill over into humans. Uh, it's it's possible. Uh, why are we not leveling that place right now, is what I want to know. If they're if they're in there doing that, why, why is that allowed to go on? Why, why is this a, a thing if this is indeed true? Why is this allowed to happen? Why, why is this not front page news everywhere and everyone in the so-called Western power structure? Why are you not out there openly calling press conferences condemning the Chinese Communist Party for this type of reckless bullshit? Yeah, um, GXP2V is the virus uh, name. Hmm. Uh, they tested it on mice that had been... Um, genetically augmented to to replicate humans uh the virus targeted the brain and within um seven to eight days 
all of the test mice died. Would you call that conclusive? Uh, when even with genetically augmented mice, they're still mice. And so the, the, I, I think it'll be a little bit different when you start getting into larger mammals, humans. However, um, it does say it eventually led to um, a brain infection uh, in the later stages of the virus. Honestly, I, I hesitate to say they'll actually release this because it'll end up in their own country. It'll end up hitting their own people. Wow. Now, I know they're already expecting, like, what would we say? It was like 80 million or something like that, or 800 million or something like that. 800 to die million. Of... If th that is if they totally collapse. That that was their estimate, was if they totally collapse, which I, I believe that is a possibility. But it is possible that they could do exactly what they did with COVID and release it on their own people first. Now, that does cause some blowback. But that gives them plausible deniability at the same time. Uh, yeah. The thing is, is even the scientific community is basically saying uh, the study was terrible. It's scientifically pointless. They're saying that um, they can see nothing of vague interest that could be learned from force infecting a weird breed of humanized mice with a random virus is what um, some of them are saying. I kind of agree anyway when it comes to this kind of uh, experimentation. We should not be experimenting uh, like this, in my opinion, but here we are. And uh, this, this is literally bioterrorism. That, that, that's what this is. You're, you're creating weapons of mass destruction. If the fatality rate is accurate and it does lead to 100% uh, death uh, within a week, man, uh, that, that, that's... Um, that could be rough. That could be a rough one. That that could be a bad one. You you could look at, uh, I mean, if it gets into the human populace, I mean, you, you could be looking at like a 40 plus percent fatality rate among humans uh, if, if that is accurate. The problem is viruses typically don't want to kill the host. So if it is indeed 100% fatal within a week, you could shut down for two weeks and pretty much kill the virus off, more or less. Not only that, but we also have to consider one thing here, Bruce. It is made in China. That's the other thing is it is made in China. I don't know. When you start getting into genetic augmentation and those kind of things, I don't know the full process of how to genetically augment a rat to be human-like, but I kind of have issue with genetically augmenting anyway, and the rats could have easily have died just from the genetic augmentation, let alone the virus. So That is true, or the god-awful conditions inside these laboratories that they have anyway, so who knows. But the, the thing is, is the risk is there. If, if this did jump to, uh, from the rat to uh, one of the scientists, and the scientist went and had that... Um, whatever it was, pangolin sandwich or whatever yes. the heck it was. Yeah, uh, lunch. It, it, yeah, the, the, uh, lunch, the bat yeah. soup. Yeah. Yeah. If that did happen and it did get out, that is a big event there in China. That that there would be a lot of people that would die uh, from that and potentially around the world if it got out. Well, we know that we wouldn't stop flights, but they like China, if they're going to if they're going to fall, then they're going to have to knock out a lot of their own people, too, because it would be yeah. uh, like that would put them on a war footing anyway. That's a whole other thing. All right. Moving on from that. So that is a, that is a thing. And I fully expect that, you know, we're going to uh, we haven't heard the end of that. So I expect something else. I don't know what, but I expect something else. And I mean soon, because we've got a culmination of things. We've got a perfect storm on the horizon and it is brewing. And they're going to have to do something for this uh, this 2020 election or 2024 election. I'm sorry. Um, I'm still 
my mind is still there. So moving into this, Bruce, we talked about this privately last week. We did not get to this, but since we're on the subject of China, U.S. Sailor gets 27 months in prison for passing military secrets to China. Okay, let me say that again. U.S. Sailor gets 27 months in prison for passing military secrets, classified material to China. Let me explain what this guy did. U.S. Navy, he was a petty officer of all things. Wen Hangzhou, I'm sure that that has no connection to communist China, uh, also known as Thomas. You see how, Bruce, you can equate Wen Sheng to uh, Zhao to Thomas. You, you see how you can equate. I mean, you, you make that mistake Just all the time. Yeah, it just rolls right off the tongue. It, it happens does. all the time. It, absolutely, it does. Uh, of Monterey Park, California, pleaded guilty to one count of conspiring with the intelligence officer from the Chinese Communist Party and one count of receiving a bribe. This case was tried in a civilian court, a civil court, by the way. This should have been tried in a military court. The DOJ picked this up. I think that's disgusting. Zhao betrayed his solemn oath to defend his country and endangered those who serve in the U.S. military. Okay, so that's assistant AG. I'm not even going to pay attention to that. Right, but let's... Look at what he actually did. Zhao worked at the naval base in Ventura County in uh, Port uh, Huaneme near Los Angeles between August 2021 and May 2023. Zhao received $14,866, so 15 grand, okay, in at least 14 separate bribe payments from a Chinese Communist Party intelligence officer. In exchange for the illicit payments, Zhao secretly collected and transmitted sensitive non-public information regarding U.S. Navy operational security, military trainings and exercises, and critical infrastructure. Zhao entered restricted military and naval installations to collect and record this information and then transmitted plans for a large-scale maritime training exercise in the Pacific Theater, operational orders and electrical diagrams and blueprints for a ground air task oriented radar system located in our base in Okinawa, Japan. He used uh, an encrypted communications platform and other methods to transmit the information. He also destroyed the evidence and concealed his relationship with the Chinese Communist Party intelligence officer. Okay, so it remains to be seen whether or not he himself was actually a Chinese Communist Party operative, which I fully believe that he probably was. 27 months. So he gets 27 months and he gets a $5,000 fine. Bruce, he got to keep 10 grand and he'll probably be out in 18 months on uh, yep. on good behavior. And in the meantime, somebody that goes into to the Capitol on January 6th to take a piss gets 20 years. Yep. Well, the other thing is, is that's pretty much the standard um, standard rate for rape in California anyway, uh, and murder. So, I mean, well, this is not. Yeah, but this is you're talking about cases that should be done in a civil court. This should have been tried in a military court. I agree. And honestly, I, I don't really when it comes to this kind of thing, when it comes to stealing documents and selling it off to our enemies. I don't really, there, there is no spy or espionage or any of those kind of things. It's treason, execution. That is it. I mean, that, that is my take on this. If you're here in the country, you claim to be an American citizen, right? In this case, he's an American citizen um, in the military. Not only did you violate your oath as an American citizen, but you violated your oath as a military officer. You sold classified information to an enemy. Treason. That, that should have been the charge. Treason. There is no other option, in my opinion. If it would have been found in court that, OK, it wasn't enough to, to say treason, but he gets like 20 years in prison. All right. Uh, I mean, that's that's still not adequate, in my opinion. Um, it We should come down like a ton of bricks, these types of things. It should be made like agents, CCP, whoever, doesn't matter. Enemy, enemy nations should be terrified of coming to our country and stealing information from us. They should be terrified. 
But instead, he just gets a slap on the wrist. And he got to keep 10,000. And he got to keep 10,000. That That's what's... Getting some the, commissary the, the while fine. he's in there for a couple of years, yeah. The, the fine he should have gotten should have been like quadruple what he was paid. He should feel the pain in that one. I, I have no sympathy, no remorse, no, no nothing. When it, when it comes to these kind of treasonous acts, when you're, when you're risking the safety of the country uh, and, uh, well, just people in general like this, I don't really have any sympathy. Nor do I. And I, I agree with you. I'm on board with it. That's treason. A thousand ways to Sunday. That's treason. Like, that's not even debatable. We're talking about him keeping 10 grand. I'm sorry. Dead people can't spend 10,000. Yeah, exactly. At the very least, at the very least, let's say this guy is, is somebody, that, an immigrant. At the very least, you're, you're guilty of treason. Exile him. You can't come back at the to very the country. Least. Yeah, I, I agree. At the very least. Okay, fine. Exile him to the country that he sold us out to. You know? Yeah. I'd, okay, fine. You know, I, I'd even, I'd go the humane route on that one. Sure. All right. Uh, Taiwan, right? Ta- Taiwan had an election and, oh boy, the, the Chinese Communist Party, they, that heavy can- the heavy favored candidate there, they didn't do too well. Uh, as a matter of fact, they lost. Uh, it went the they other way. They tried to pull a Biden and it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. It went the other way. Uh, I guess they needed a pandemic there in order to get mail-in ballots or something, but it just didn't quite work. Uh, Or maybe they needed Smartmatic voting machines. I'm not sure. But that may have helped a lot, too. Yeah. This pro-Taiwan independent guy, uh, Democratic Progressive Party, which I don't like the term for that anyway, uh, won decisively, uh, affirming that most of the inhabitants of Taiwan want to maintain their separation from communist China. Well, yeah, I mean, that is the legitimate government of China. Technically, it is like that's the government in exile, if you will. We were talking about that in, in prep. And that's where Chiang Kai-shek fled to, who was the, you know, the legitimate government, held the legitimate government seats of or seats of government power in China and fled because of the communist revolution, which we recognized under Jimmy Carter in 78. So yeah, um, the Chinese Communist Party favorite conceded. He, he did concede, but he said to the victor, congratulations on becoming the president of China. <laughs> so he's the president of China. Well, he's not uh, wrong. As a whole. He's it, not wrong. Yeah. yeah, technically he's not wrong because, as you said, it's the uh, government in exile. But I, I just, I find that funny uh, that they go to such extreme lengths to um, not admit Taiwan as its own country. I, yes. I, I think it's funny. Yeah. And Biden, have you seen Biden's reaction to to uh, the thing with Taiwan? So the U.S. politicians, you know, Pelosi and the rest of them, we're actually planning a delegation to send there in May, uh, by the way. But Biden said that they don't support Taiwan's independence. And they, of course, they stand with the one China policy or whatever. But at the same time, we're doing arms deals with Taiwan. We're, we're supplying them with, with hardware. I, I thought we were supposed to be standing on a um, we take no side stance when it came to Taiwan. We don't support China and we don't support Taiwan, but we support Taiwan. Well, yes, but it, it, which, what's that? It's actually interesting with that. We understand what you just said, and that's how we've understood it. But Trump declassified some things on his way out of office. And one of those things that he declassified, he declassified a whole bunch of stuff. One of the things that he declassified was a treaty that we had between the United States, Japan, and Australia as it related to Taiwan. This is this has gone unchecked in any of the mainstream news. So you're not going to hear about this anywhere else. You can go and look this up that you know this is this is one of the uh, things that he declassified. But we have a treaty with these three countries including Taiwan 
to defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion. That was supposed to be classified for 30 years. We are supposed to maintain that defense in the Pacific for 30 years until some other secret you know, deal was, was put together. Why is that the case? Because of the microchip and semiconductor manufacturing that is in Taiwan. That is essentially, it's like Silicon Valley West. You know, it's, it's where the world's microchips and, and semiconductors come from. You like your smartphones? You like your televisions? You like your cars? You like your refrigerators? You, you like your, your microwaves, your ovens, and, and your vacuum cleaners, and everything else that you've got? You like your smartwatches? All of those semiconductors, all of those microchips are made in Taiwan. That's where they come from. They don't come from China. China's trying to take that industry over. The reason that we are to defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion is because of that, because that would seriously cripple us in the world if they were to gain control of that. In fact, what should be done, I don't know if this is another thing that is in the works. God, I hope it is. If that were to happen, those factories need to be leveled by us if we can't hold it. They have to be leveled. There is no other way around that. We are in the process now in the United States of bringing microchip and semiconductor production back, but it is going to take time. We can't just turn these things on overnight. We can if you get the government heathens out of the way. The Germans are in the process of doing a deal with Intel to do microchips here, but that is going to take time. They're still in the process of building the factory. You can't do this stuff overnight. When I saw a, few, a couple of years ago the very quiet deal that, they, that the Germans made with Intel to manufacture Intel chips here, I said, Taiwan, they're going to give it up. They're, they're going to give it up if that's the case, because you don't move Intel manufacturing here from Taiwan where you've already got a base unless you're going to cough that up. So they're, they're going to bring it here. I think they're probably going to give up Taiwan anyway, but those factories still need to be leveled. The, the thing is, is whether or not we move or whether or not we, we give up Taiwan, um, I, I, I don't think really matters. We need to, it, it does matter in the sense of um, bringing back manufacturing to uh, the Western world. Um, I, I don't think it matters when it comes to whether we give up Taiwan or not. Manufacturing should be brought back to the West. Um, we should be manufacturing our own things. We shouldn't be relying on enemy nations. I'm not saying Taiwan is an enemy nation. I'm saying they're uh, small and too easily overcome by enemy nations. Um, if, if China were to buckle down and start uh, blockading Taiwan, um, they could annex it pretty quick um, yes. if they were to they use everything. To, they just need to blockade it and they need to hold the blockade. That's all that needs to happen. You're right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, in theory, uh, Taiwan is something they could take really quickly. I, I, I don't necessarily think they will sit. I'm, I'm torn on it. it. I I think it's more of like saber rattling just to get us uh, to move some of our chess pieces down there. I don't think it's actually I, I don't think they're going to make a move there yet. They're going to move somewhere else like uh, North Korea attack in the south before they'll um, do the other uh, Taiwan. But when it comes to the uh, chip manufacturing, that has to be moved, whether or not uh, Taiwan is lost. It, it just, we need to spread out manufacturing. We can't have it centralized in China or any one nation. It needs to be spread out across the West. Not only does it encourage uh, trade amongst the West and helps our economies, but it makes it safer so that um, enemy nations don't have a monopoly on us and and can twist our arm 
or um, uh, have bad practices and start poisoning foods or, um, you know, putting things like lead paint in kids toys or, you know, those kind of things to, to cause damage to the Western world quietly. We, we definitely need to protect what we have. And that filters out into every um, every type of manufacturing um, production line at food. That's another one that, that really needs to be worked on. Um, but as far as this is concerned, um, I feel like if, if China does try to take Taiwan, it'll will. I, I don't think the West will do anything about it. They, they might do some stuff for show. They might uh, do things like uh, we're going to have negotiations and all of that, but they're going to let China have Taiwan. I, I think that it is a um, I, I think it's a it, it's a pawn. As you said, I, I think that's what it is. It's just a it's a chess piece on the board. That's all it is. All right. Let's let's burn through this last segment here. This is for you, Bruce. This I, I know how much you love government spending. So uh, I thought that we would go through these uh, these seven ridiculous things that the government has wasted in 20 in 2023. Um, it, I mean, wasteful spending. Right. So let's let's look at seven of the most ridiculous points because we love bullet points here. So and we haven't done one of these in a while. Six hundred and fifty nine billion for interest on the national debt, which is good. I mean, right? You got to pay the interest on that on that debt. We don't want to default, right? Thirty-four trillion. We're in the hole now. Senator Rand Paul reports highlights from U.S. Department of Treasury. They spent six hundred and fifty-nine billion dollars in fiscal twenty twenty-three just on interest payments. The U.S. government will add over five billion of debt every single day for the next ten years, and we can borrow over two hundred million every hour. We borrow three million dollars every minute, and we borrow sixty thousand dollars every second. So every second, we're Basically, the average family's Yearly annual income. income. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're, we're borrowing that every every second. Yes. But the economy's fine. Everything's fine. Economy's fine. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. That, that's what they all tell us. And the average, uh, the average uh, uh, um, grocery list uh, price, you know, your, your groceries is up 30%. But is yeah, that all? Everything's well, fine. You see, Bruce, uh, you see, that's just... You, you're just complaining too much. That's all. You, you're not seeing the benefits of Bidenomics. That's all, you're, that's all you're doing. You need to reassess there, comrade. Number two, yeah, reassess. If, if you can't admire Joe Biden as a person, they, there's something wrong with you. You need to, you need to do some self-evaluating. Yeah. Because what's not to like, right? Mm. <laughs> Number two, $6 million to boost Egyptian tourism. I, I don't know what to say this. In the, uh, so the federal government spent $6 million to boost tourism in Egypt last year. The U.S. spent over $100 million in Egyptian tourism so far. Uh, honestly, I, I don't know what we're spent. Why are we spending $6 million on Egyptian tourism? They don't give a reason as to why we did that. But that's what we did. And what, what, are we, what are we getting back? Well, like, we're not are we getting, getting a, a percentage getting, of their tourist income. Well, no. Why don't we spend $6 million on heating systems for our schools that don't have them? Yeah. Just as an example. Number three, training Department of Homeland Security employees to be their authentic and best selves. <laughs> Is this even possible? Really? The Department of Homeland Security's Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, or CISA, has been pursuing some creative training programs as of late. In a new federally funded workshop last year, CISA employees focused on effective strategies to build and sustain psychological safety that allows individuals to show up to work as their authentic and best selves. Does this mean that you can show up as like a dog or a cat or something? Um, or, a, cat, or a helicopter? Cross-dressing, or, yes, um, transgender, yeah. those kind of yep. things, yeah. 
Yeah. The workshop was part of a, oh, here we go. Uh-huh. The workshop was part of a five-year diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility strategic plan. That's a lot of buzzwords. It is. The workshop coincided with CIS's efforts to suppress protected speech on social media platforms during the COVID-19 pandemic. So people were censored at the behest of DHS at, at work, right? DHS employees were saying how crazy it was that they had to adhere to all of that stuff. Anyway, number four, 38 million to dead people. Oh, that's good. That is good. Yeah, because you. Well, what did I say earlier about how dead men don't don't spend 10,000? Well, apparently dead people spend 38 million. So maybe I was in error. Yeah. Yeah, I must have been an error. According to a special task force for tracking COVID payments to the federal government, 38 million went to people who were known to be dead in 2023. In fact, $1.3 million of that money went to 30 individuals who had been dead for at least a year. Are, are, are they? Are I'm they... dead. Can the government send me 1.3 million? I'm dead. Yeah, I'll, I'm dead. I, like, I'm flatlined. Send me $1.3 million. Are, are, are they trying to, are, like, are they sending this money over for uh, people that are like Catholic, you know, because. They're in purgatory, so they're, they're, I don't they're trying to get them out of it. Yeah, trying to get them out of it. Yeah, mm. I don't know. I have no idea. Number five, $8,395 for a lobster tank. Uh, yeah, because the government needs that. Well, you see, Bruce, the, the Department of Defense needs $8,395 for a lobster tank. Why the DOD purchased this is um, like, like that's a mystery. Nobody knows why the DOD purchased a lobster tank for $8,395. Is that is that the um, was it like General Milley or something like that putting it in their office? I don't know. I, I have no idea. That's a good question. Yeah, I, I couldn't, couldn't tell you. Number six, two graphic novels combating disinformation. Hmm. That's um, I you know, I, I could understand that if we were like in wartime and we had like an enemy nation flying over us, dropping ballots and or or you know, leaflets, uh, not ballots, but leaflets of... No, you had it right. Know, ballots. <laughs> ballots. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, I, I could understand that in like 80 years ago. But nowadays, why do you need a graphic novel? Well, um, CISA, right? So the same group that's championing, you know, the diversity, equity, inclusion, and whatever, you know, uh, disability or whatever it was to, you know, be yourself at work and adhere to your best whatever, right? Uh, they are creating uh, not one, but two graphic novels about disinformation as part of their, quote, resilience series. The first one covers foreign interference in elections, right? So see, Bruce, you were not wrong about the ballots, right? You were not wrong. The second one covers COVID vaccines. They say that there is nothing comical about wasting taxpayer money to justify censorship of constitutionally protected speech. So th there's there's a catch. The constantly to constitutionally protected speech is for the citizenry, not the government. The government doesn't have the right to say whatever the hell they want. It's the citizenry that has that right. And the government is supposed to respect it. That, 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 that's, there, there's a caveat there. So the government, the government is not supposed to be taking a biased stance on this kind of thing at, at all. Um, but here we are. Here we are. Number seven, $200 million to famous music artists from the Small Business Administration. <laughs> Uh, was this like, was this like, um, uh, well, we did, okay. We, we did have uh, during the COVID stuff, we, we, we were sending money to like, um, artists that were unable yes. to work. Yes. Uh, it know. was part of the pandemic, uh, you know, the paycheck protection or whatever it was, or yeah, something like that. But listen but, to this, listen to some of the recipients of this. Okay. 
So $200 million went to the, some of the biggest names in entertainment. The so-called small business owners, such as, po- I don't know who this is, Post Malone. I, I don't know. I've, I've heard that. Post thought, Malone. Yeah. Isn't that a basketball player? Or no, it's Carl Malone. No. The mailman. No, no. Uh, yeah. Um, Post Malone. Oh, let me see. I, Post, I don't remember. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. Post Malone, uh, Little Wayne, uh, Chris Brown, Smashing Pumpkins received up to $10 million each. And Nickelback got $2 million. I don't think any of those people need any of that because they have already got countless millions anyway from the stuff that they've done over the years. Yeah. A uh, rap artist, by the way. Um, uh, Post Malone. Okay. Well, really, right. the first few there were rap artists. They don't need help. The, the, those ones. Those are the well. If you if you listen to the NFL guys, they're they're um, under a lot of uh, persecution and all that kind of stuff because they're whatever. I I don't know. I, I'm I'm trying oppressed, to oppress like Colin um, Kaepernick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oppressed, a, a LeBron yeah. James is is oppressed. The guy's made hundreds of millions. What is he? Is he a billionaire now? LeBron James. If he's not, he's, he's close. He should be. Well, should be. He should be. But the problem is, is a lot of these athletes don't have good money sense, and so they end up spending a lot of their money. There, That's there's true. actually been some athletes that have created programs to teach other athletes how to properly uh, budget as as a normal person because yeah, they, make, they they tend to you know like they, spend it wildly. They get these big contracts, right? These these sports stars, they get these big contracts, but that's not even where a bulk of their money comes from. A lot of it comes from like these these corporate sponsorships that they get, the endorsements. Yeah. You know, that's where a lot of that stuff comes in. Yeah. And even still, like there's there's some athletes that are they've made millions of dollars. Any one of us that are just average citizens, we would still be living on that years after they retire. And yeah. They're going uh, like bankrupt in the middle of their the the high point of their career. Uh, it, yeah, I, like I I saw some of the um I saw some of the contracts like when I, when I used to watch baseball, New York Yankees. I mean that's the biggest richest ball club. Uh, actually, I think that's the biggest richest sports club in the world because that's not just a baseball team. That is like a brand around the world. Uh, you go to even some third world countries, you see people wearing Yankees hats. They don't know what it means, but they're wearing them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they um. They signed this pitcher to a seven-year, I think it was like a two hundred million dollar contract once, and like, and that's that was with an option after like three years. So you you could walk away with that in three years if if you weren't satisfied. You know, you had the the ability to to wheel and deal or go back for more, and that's just it's it's crazy to me. It's pretty absurd that we're um, we're paying athletes so much. It it's just it is absurd. Uh, I'm looking at. The highest, God, the average per year, right? Uh, looks like the highest contract value that I'm seeing is. Wait, is this? This can't be a. Are you serious? Seven hundred million. I'm assuming that that is uh, like somebody like a Cristiano Ronaldo or something that was a a football guy, you know, soccer player, baseball, baseball. That's a baseball player now. Mm-hmm. L.A. L.A. Dodgers. Uh, is it a Shohei Otani? Uh, Shohei Otani? Is that who that? Mm-hmm. that okay, that's that, who it is. That's who it is. Okay, that guy is. Um, he's I, he's Japanese, and he yes. is considered to be the modern day Babe Ruth kind of guy. He's a he's a pitcher. He's an outfielder, and he's also a home run hitter. So he is he is worth a lot of, a lot of coin. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. So the average per year, he gets obviously seventy million, but. The average per game, though, is only four hundred thirty-two thousand. 
Well, he also went out. Money, but. Yeah, he also went out. He he got signed originally. I remember when he came in, he got signed originally with the um, uh, the L.A. Angels of Anaheim. And he ended up going out for Tommy John surgery. Are you familiar with that surgery? The, these pitchers, the, these pitchers now are throwing so hard. Last I checked, the average Major League Baseball pitch speed is 93 miles an hour. To give you an idea, 60 feet from the mound to the catcher's mitt, 93 miles an hour, that is less than the time it takes for you to blink your eye before that ball is across. So to say that these guys do not have a skill to get up there and have hand-eye coordination is an understatement. You know, I, I understand that. But these pitchers are throwing so hard. We're literally at the end, I think, because of this, you know, because the way these guys are throwing now, we're at the end of what the human body can actually tolerate because these guys are going out for surgery now to have that tendon repaired because it, it pulls that tendon in your arm. So you got to have that tendon repaired. So I see this as a case for cybernetic implants in the future if the if the sport continues. That uh, that seems like that's going to be if this well, sports in general, I think you're going to start seeing yeah. cybernetic yeah. augmentation unless there's some kind of barring. You, you may end up having like uh, uh, unaugmented and augmented. Yeah. And you're going to have two different leagues. And yeah. eventually, though, I think the augmented league will take over just because it's going to be so fantastical and phenomenal with what, what they're capable of doing. That's going to be it for us for today. Uh, Bruce, it's been a great conversation. I will see you on the next Tech Tuesday. If you would like to support us, the link is in the program description down below. You can just click that and it'll take you over to our subscriber page. Thank you very much. Bruce, thank you for being here today. Thank you to all of the listeners. God bless everyone and have a great evening.